Welcome to the IHEP Hour. My name is Dave Crable. I'm with IHEP Michigan. IHEP Michigan's mission is to educate, inform, and promote the research, development, and cultivation of industrial hemp. IHEP Michigan advocates for wellness in people and the planet through hemp, and it begins with the farmer. But today we're gonna we're gonna start with Mike Brennan down in Ann Arbor. How's it going, Mike? Well, I'm the non farmer in the group, doing great. Just waiting for the latest storm to come through. But uh, it's February, right, in Michigan? Yeah, yeah, I know. All the ice melted outside. It's really sad. Yes. Yeah, you don't get to play hockey out there anymore, do you? We skated twice so far this year. Hmm. Wow. Outside, you know. Yeah. Which is special. Well, that, that's where you want to be. I mean, you want to feel those elements. You want to be in that, you know. It, it, it's different. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> It's like riding in the car, riding the bike, you know. Yeah, like you stick yeah. your head out the window here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what's going on, Blake? You know, uh, just uh, enjoying life and uh, getting ready for the upcoming season. I've been talking to a lot of people about uh, actually some contracts may be available for growers. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, and then, of course, um, MSU has the research project that they're doing. So we'll talk about that. Everybody wants to be involved in that project. So, yeah, just a lot of great things happening there. Um, and a little bit of good news I'm going to share around later. So, and we got a yummy, since it's still cold out yet, you know, uh, it's got a yummy, good recipe for the end of the show. And, um, soon, uh, March madness will be here upon us. So looking forward for that. Cool. We'll be having some educational sessions going on. We'll talk a little bit later about that, but, uh, on the hemp uh, building with hemp products. So we'll talk about that a little later as well. Oh, Rachel says hi. Hey, Rachel. So uh, why don't you talk about our sponsors real quick, and then we'll get to our presentation. All right. Well, uh, this week's sponsors uh, is um, uh, Down on the Farm uh, and also uh, Icon Processors. And so Down on the Farm has uh, some new uh, products we've got lined up. We've got the, uh, the bedding available. Uh, the bigger bags you see there are about 44 pounds, and the smaller ones, of course, would be for your smaller animals, that kind of thing. Uh, great product. Um it absorbs more of the uh, ammonia smell, uh, lasts a lot longer, so you have to you don't have to change it out as often. Uh, and if you haven't tried the product, it's a great product to be using. Um, again, you know, better than the pine shaving stuff like that. It just lasts a lot longer and works a lot better. So Healthier. we have that available on the website. Down and then we have the Icon Processors. Yep, yeah, yeah, there we go, down on the farm. You can go down on the farm.biz, you can see it there. And then uh, also we have Icon Processors. Uh, they're helping sponsor the show. Um, we appreciate their help that they're doing. Icon Processors has a great line of CBD products. They have tinctures and they have creams and they have rubs. And they have some foaming stuff uh, for the pain. Also, my wife loves their wrinkle cream that he has. So um, if that's of interest to you, Icon Processors, uh, www.iconprocessors.com. You can find the whole line of products there. So and we appreciate both of them for those, the uh, <coughs> sponsoring the show and helping us out. Excellent. All right. I think it's uh, time to introduce our guest. This is really cool. This is someone who's actually making it happen here in the hemp industry. So today we have Susan Barnhart. She's the founder of Shemp Yarn Company. Shemp is a women-owned business that blends wool industrial, and industrial hemp to create sustainable yarn and knitwear. Whether you knit, crochet, or appreciate sustainable fashion, Shemp has the impact to affect everyone. And here's how. This is interesting. The Ameri average American throws away about 81 pounds of clothing each year. Yep. I'm, not, I'm not average. I keep everything forever. 85% <laughs> <laughs> of I am typically, I am not average. 85% of which ends up in landfills. These textiles then break down and release about half a million tons of microplastics in the ocean each year. That accounts for about 35% of all microplastics in our marine ecosystem. That's amazing. So here we have Shep with hemp. <laughs> save the world. Welcome, Susan. Great Thank you. Me. How are you? Now, you were on our show. Wow. While ago, long time ago, yeah. over a year, I know, been about two years that you've been working on this, and it's yeah. exciting to see you making progress. Well, I, 
I've been working on it since 2018 when um, the American Wool Council decided that they wanted to develop a better, more uses for wool. Believe it or not, there's an abundance of wool in the United States. A lot of it gets exported. But at the time that I helped, I was working on that with them, they deserted the projects because, in all honesty, there was no there was no really big interest in industrial hemp on the fiber or really bass side. And um, it, there was, and there was an inability for people who did process or corticate hemp in those ways to understand how textiles work. And so they deserted it. And then in 2020, I COVID was a great boon for me because I got to talk to a lot of people and did a lot of intense research. It took some courses. And um, in 2021. We incorporated the Shemp Yarn Company as a C-Corp, and um, we began to take this journey in earnest. Uh, about six months ago, we were um, awarded an SBA certification as a woman-owned small business in the United States, which I'm very proud of. That takes quite a long time to get done. And um, But when I established Shemp, as you know, Shemp is an amalgamation of the word hemp and sheep, and... Um, we had a vision, you know, I, we wanted to be able to produce sustainable textiles and create a new generation of yarns in the United States out of natural fibers. And um, I had all that research that, you know, wool and hemp was a great combination because as opposed to like hemp and cotton, wool and hemp does not absorb any water. And the ability to combine hemp with wool is perfect because it sounds odd, but when you process wool, it has little hooks on it. And the hooks grab onto the hemp and they become um, a perfect yarn. It's a beautiful, beautiful yarn. Um, and so after a lot of research, um, I had to, I, I came to the conclusion that the, um, United States hemp market was not prepared to um, create what was needed on the hemp side to create textiles, at least from wool and hemp. I cannot speak for the cotton and hemp side. So, um, uh, so they never embraced the process and that's kind of sad and hopefully they will. So we get all of our hemp slider from a place in France mm -hmm. and um, so in order for us to create this product, we use 60% of American wool sourced from farmers and we utilize um, the remainder of it as hemp from the EU. And everything that we do is done in small business, small family owned businesses, one in Minnesota, one in um, Colorado. And, um, oh, that's my music, I'll turn it off, I'm sorry. I'm listening to Diana Krall. <laughs> I'll turn it off. I'm so sorry. Hold on a minute. Well, it's pretty amazing where this is all going. Um, a lot of things happening this year with the uh, the fiber. Um, you know, I know we're going to have a few acres done here, but more and more as I talk to other businesses and learn about more other businesses, it's amazing where we're going to go with the fiber here. That's for sure. You know, it really is. Um, but, you know, there is a big hiccup. Um, when fiber comes out of the decorticator and they and and if they shake, they shake it through and clean it um, and they bail it, it then has to go to be degummed. And there's not a lot of degumming processes in the United States. Um, but after it's degummed, yeah, um, it has to then be create has to be called has to create sliver and unfortunately spinners in the united states are not willing to clog up their carding machines with the gum temp fiber so until someone in the united states steps up and invest in the in the equipment that you can actually make hemp sliver to create textiles we will be at the mercy 
of getting it from the EU or China. I do not get any of my hemp saliva from China, but I am aware that many hemp growers in the United States pack up their fiber side of their hemp in containers and ship it off to China and have China then process it. I'm I'm really against that. I I want to support, I don't want to support China. I want to support the EU if I have to do something. But anyway, so we took this journey and um, we eventually created yarn, which was a big deal, believe it or not. And um, we tested it. I did focus groups and everybody loved the yarn. I um, my always my intent was always to make socks. So we did create yarn, which we do have, you know, we do have yarn. Um, it's not it's not the um, primary of my business. It is sort of a secondary outlet. Um, but we make beanies and we make socks and the beanies are beautiful. They are. Um, Can we show pictures of those, the socks and the. Uh... Yeah, I think you guys have pictures of them, right? There's so the these socks. are the socks. We have rag socks which you can see on Madison's feet. And then we have cushioned socks, which um, are, all of them are made out of wool and hemp, everything. Um, the rag socks have a little bit of alpaca in them, but um, I, they're beautiful and they're wonderful. And then the cushioned socks are great. And then we make beanies and that's my son in the beanie. <laughs> and that's me in the beanie with my dogs and my socks. So, so um, what do those socks go for then? What, what do they typically retail for? Um, we sell the socks for um, about $35 a pair. Okay. And um, the rag socks sell for $30 and $35. The cushion socks sell for $35 to $40 a pair. Um, the beanies sell for $55 a pair. The beanies are pretty spectacular. Everybody loves them. They, um, they're, they are ribbed. And so... Um, in between the ribs, it's called a brioche stitch. Um, somebody who knits would know, but when you open up the rib and the beanie, it's it's a color. So right now we have purple and black, but we can do any color anybody wants. And the great thing about those beanies is in all honesty, they're, they are so soft. Nobody can believe how soft these beanies are because people have this perception. You're going to get something made out of hemp and it's going to be clothing and it's going to be rough. So when people try the beanies or they try the socks, they're they're like, I cannot believe this. They are really soft. Um, they're moisture wicking. Um, they're all of the products are breathable and moisture wicking. Um, they do not absorb, as I said, any water. They're durable. They're completely biodegradable. I mean, you can, they're going to go away. Because um, I, you know, I made sure of that. Um, we, we, as I said, we only use American wool and we have everything processed and believe it or not, women-owned, family-owned factories. And I feel really blessed to be able to do that because, you know, small businesses, they really need somebody to support them. So, you know, the beanies we make, as I said, we make all of those things. And, um, it's, it is true that the average American, and I'm guilty. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, I, you know, women aren't supposed to tell you their age, but I'm 69. And I can tell you that I know that Americans throw away clothing. I mean, I used to get rid of mine too, you know, and think nothing of it. I take my granddaughters to H&M and they buy that stuff and they get rid of it. But then when I found out about all of this, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so that was part of the impetus for me to continue this. I mean, I have children, I have five children, I have four grandchildren, I have two great grandchildren, and I began to really think about like, what am I, what, what am I leaving for them? And then of course, you know, I'm really blessed right now because sustainability is a big deal with consumers. The average consumer, um, especially the younger ones, Gen Z and Gen, they're all really interested in sustainability. One of the biggest problems with them is, is they're interested in sustainability, but they're not sure they want to pay for it. Um, 
So, you know, it, it, you either have to talk the talk and walk the walk or just talk the talk and walk away. So, um, you know, that's a hurdle, I think, for all hemp businesses in a way, because we do have to charge for the process, for the product. And we have to educate consumers as to why they should buy these products. So um, that's, that is sort of a challenge for us. Um, but we keep moving along. Um, right now, we're in the process, truthfully, of putting together sample boxes to send out to retailers and people like that who might be interested in getting the beanies and the socks. I come from the retail world. So um, we're going to follow that path. We have several big companies really interested in the products. But, you know, I really think I need to, we need to walk. You know, we have to crawl, walk before we can run. So um, you can't, you can't overpromise. The worst thing a company can ever do with products is overpromise and not have inventory. No, it's but, called overpromise and underdeliver. That's yes, just that's exactly but, right. You know, so. so I'm not going to do that. But um, I just placed an order for more yarn, and we are going to be creating more beanies and more socks. And um, you know, I I just really like the products. Truthfully, I'll tell you about the socks. This is really kind of not. It's kind of icky, but okay. So I made my husband wear these socks right after we got the first batch of them. And I said to him, now, listen, you have to wear those socks. And he was like, okay. Mm -hmm. So he puts them on. And he, my yeah, husband. Done there, done that. But go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> happy wife, happy life. Yeah, so, there you go. That's yeah. Fine. So he puts these rag socks on. My husband works part-time at Lowe's, I think, just so he can get away from me. Anyway, so he goes to Lowe's. And um, he comes home and he says to me, you know, I didn't, these socks are really interesting. My feet don't sweat or anything. I said, well, that's really good because you're going to wear them again tomorrow. <laughs> he said, what? I said, you're going to wear them again tomorrow. He said, okay. So he did wear them the next day and he came home and said to me, you know, they are, they're, they don't stink. They, they're not wet. They felt good all day. And I'm not just saying this because there are socks, but he was like amazed. And then of course I have my one son wandering around in a beanie. And um, I make them all wear the products and give me reports. But um, like I said, you know, I had to have real life, you know, people interested. And I have to say that, and I am going to say this because I think this is really important. Melissa Nelson has been wonderful to me. Like she has really promoted the Shemp products. And I really appreciate that. But it is a hard journey. I mean, like, I think, you know, if you make, Frisbees, right? You still make Frisbees? I, I have Frisbees. Right. You are Frisbees. No, but it's hard. Does he you have I mean? Frisbees? <laughs> it's hard. You know what I mean? Like, it's a new product. So yeah. it's really hard. And in some ways, we're prohibited. And, and it's hard for me often because when people find out about this, this is what they say to me. Oh, you make beanies out of CBD? I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I have to go through this whole explanation. And can um, smoke the socks, by the way. Pardon? <laughs> Dave gets that all the time. I have somebody asked me that one day. Socks? I smoked your socks. I'm like, no, I really don't think you would want to do that. But <laughs> um, but it's a really so I feel like um, you know, it's a great product. Um, we're 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 in the right industries to support sustainability. I love that it's wool and hemp because they both are very natural fibers that take very little resources. <laughs> very durable they're eco-friendly and um we just keep you know we keep plugging along it's a very expensive journey that was what i was going to ask you not to interrupt but uh, durability if you're going to spend 30 dollars on a pair of socks can you say honestly to folks they're going to last a lot longer than say cotton socks or wool socks absolutely they're, they're going to last you a lifetime a lifetime okay absolutely you can wear them forever I mean, and have you, have you thought about working with Amazon? I mean, uh, it seems like that would be the perfect product to sell on Amazon and they do all the distribution and marketing for you and all that. I've thought about it, but I haven't done anything on it yet. Uh, um, but it's a you good have idea. to give up a lot to do that. You know, yeah. they get a pretty hefty commission. Well, and I'm not really ready to do that yet. I mean, like I said, I need to crawl no, yeah. Yeah. before I can, and I have to walk. 
before Let's I talk about that, Susan. What you know, what kind of scale are you at now? You know, you said you ordered more yarn. Are you just this is more of a craft venture at this time? Where oh, you're I making... know. No, the yarn part of it, no, the yarn, I ordered yarn to make beanies and socks. The yarn part of it, in all honesty, um, I am gonna portion that off to somebody because I and I this is I don't know how to knit. But in order for us to make the products, all textiles are made from yarn. So to make sure that we can make textiles, we had to make yarn. And so we made yarn. And that yarn now, we've taken it from the, the stage that hand knitters could use it, which is, it's really pretty, um, but it's not really my forte. But I did it because I had to lay a foundation. Can this yarn be made? Is it what it says it is? Can people use it? Do people like it? What will it produce? So once we did that, then I said to, I decided to, I reached out to sock companies and found out how many yards per pound they need, what kind of, like if it's a 210 or a 212, a two ply or whatever. And um, they told me yes. And so then I went to my spinner and I said, can we make this? And they said, yes. So we created the yarn for the socks and for the beanies. There's two types of yarn that go into those things. And so I just ordered more of that yarn specifically for socks and beanies mm -hmm. um, and for outdoor apparel, not, um, not for the um, hand knitting side. Um, that, that's a very different industry, very community oriented. But I'm, I, come from, um, I come from Fortune 500. And we dealt with major retailers like Kroger and Safeway and Target. And so that's really what I understand. I understand being a brand and going to buyers at different places and asking them if they want to purchase this product. It's not, an, it's not, an, it's, I, I'm not anticipating we're going to sell thousands and thousands of beanies. I mean, you know, you do a business plan and they want you to say you're going to sell thousands and thousands. Really how do you know? project out for five years? It's like, how do you even look out 90 days, let alone five years, right? You know, yeah, so, I agree, Mike. I mean, it's just crazy. I'm like, yeah. this is a new product. How do I know how much I'm going to sell? I can base it on statistics about socks. I mean, everybody wears socks. Right. And um, I can base it on the fact that outdoor apparel people are really into who do those activities are really into sustainability. So I did the research and I can, you know, hypothesize, but I can't guarantee anything. So where we are right now to answer your question, Dave, is um, we've run a lot of samples. Um, I sold, I've been, I'm selling the beanies slowly online to people who um, actually, you know, hear about them on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not really very apt at social media. So um, that's sort of a challenge for me. Yeah, that's where all the action is right now, whether you like it or not. Well, so, I mean, um, <clears throat> well I just, I'm going to, I have, um, I'm going to, what I'm going to do with that in all honesty is I'm probably going to take advantage of Hemp Today's um, new program and have, have work with them. Um, Marshall, um, Kurt's son did my website and he's helping me with the e-commerce. So they know about this and they can help me. So we're going to do that. And, um, you know, when you deal with B2B, it's a little different. While they like social media, they're really more about the buyer's journey and providing them with the appropriate information so that they can make an educated decision. And in today's world, it's not one buyer. Buyers in those companies, there's a group of them. So it's, a, it's like a group decision. So we just have to target the ones that work right. But you know, we have socks and beanies and um, we'll be getting the word out more and figuring out, you know, trying to sell them. And hopefully it continues because it is actually the only wool hemp socks and beanies made in the United States. And Susan, do you, have a, do you have a website that people can go to? How, how, if I want to buy some of your socks, how would I find out? Go to www.shempyarn.com slash shop. The cushion socks are not up there yet because we just got them in. And, um, but other than that, they'll be up in the next week or so. And, um, you know, before I actually put them up for pricing, I really wanted to make sure that I did a cost analysis. So I was really able to make sure that um, 
when we if we sold it to B2B, they could do, if they needed to do Keystone Profit, we could make sure we had a good ROI. But when we sell it online, um, just to gain people who like it, um, we want to make sure that we're also going to make get a return on investment because otherwise, why would you be in business? So now that we've completed a cost analysis, um, things will, um, those socks will now go up on my, that's my background, you know? So. Um, I think what Dave was asking you, and I'll just speak for Dave at this point, how many pairs of socks can you make in a typical month now? I mean, that's what we were trying to. Oh, I can make about 600 pairs of socks a month. Oh, okay. okay. That's oh, yeah. Nice um, in fact, right now, um, we're going to make, um, we're going to make 500 beanies in April. Mm -hmm. So what we get, we, all we have to do is to keep pushing the thing. So, okay. So for every pound of yarn, we get like maybe five beanies. So if I send them 200 pounds of yarn and I say, I want you to make beanies, then they'll make me a thousand beanies. So, so I want, do I want to get to scale? Yes. And when I can start to run 500 pounds of yarn to make beanies and socks, I'll be at a much lower price point to spin them yeah, on. Economies of scale mm -hmm. and all that kicking, yeah. right? So, so yes, yeah, so we can make, but I don't want to overmake. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're working it out gradually. Yeah, working it out so that um, I have a list mm -hmm. of stores that I feel will be good for this, um, for our products. Mm hmm and I will create a campaign for them and we'll probably sell, well, I mean, if we did a business plan, according to my account, I'd be selling um, 7,000 beanies a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. If you got on Amazon, you're in a worldwide situation, you know, so they're going to be selling to everybody. Yeah, um, that's why I'm not going to do it, Mike. I mean, I have to, I have to make sure I can establish I have to, I, just like any brand does, you have to establish parameters that you want to meet, key product indexers. Sure. And so I, I have established those parameters. And I know that the, everybody loves the beanies. I have proven that people like the socks. So that tells me that I can now go to the next step and I can have more yarn made to make those products. And then when people buy them, I can fulfill their orders. Yeah. I can see this working really well in REI. I mean, yeah, me too. That would be good, yeah. yeah. I have a question, Susan, about, and, and this is for our audience, really, because this is <laughs> where, where we need to be. Let's circle back to the fiber and, okay. and, and U.S. fiber. When I was doing my research early on on, on the fiber processing, there's, you know, there's that whole degumming process that has right. to happen in order to be able to run through those machines to be spun. Right. Is, is that the big hurdle in getting, you know, obviously we need more fiber processing to begin um, with here in the U S but that textile is a tougher, right. More, right. more capital intensive investment. Absolutely. Um, so there are companies out there that are working on to Um, I'm not really sure how far they have gotten. I know that Renaissance Fiber is one of them because I stay in touch with them. But um, I don't see there. I don't see anybody really doing the gumming in the in the volume that I would need to have the fiber. So the process is they degum it, and after they degum it, they have to card it. And that's like, that's called making sliver. It goes through this carding machine and it comes out like this long, snaky thing. But no one in the United States is able to do that yet. Although the equipment is available from NSC up in Fort Mill, South Carolina. You can buy it. It's going to cost about 2 to $3 million at least. Um, and you can buy the equipment and it's beautiful. I've been there several times. Um, but that is the problem. They, they... They put it through the decortication system. They get the bast in the herd. And a lot of people just think, oh, I'm just going to send this off and I'm going to make textiles. You're not. Then you have to degum it. It goes through that whole process. And then after it's degummed, as I said, it has to be carded. And that process has to take 
take place separate from spinners because spinners are not open to carding hemp. I shouldn't say they're not open, but they're going to charge you an arm and a leg. Okay. So, but, so they have to be cut. And this is what happens. This is how it works. I'm just going to show you. Okay. So you have these two long things, right? So when you take the hemp sliver and you take the wool sliver, they go through a machine and they go together. And the sliver has to be clean on both sides. And then it comes out and you have yarn. Hmm. But, you know, it always, I'm, I'm the outside observer on hemp, but it seems like it always comes back to infrastructure. Yeah. And everybody, the thing that's slowing everything down or actually putting a halt to a lot of these <clears> ideas <throat> is there's not the infrastructure out there. And yeah. it's hard for private industry to invest $2 million or three. I mean, could you invest two or $3 million? No. So, I mean, it's kind of like uh, in my world with technology and whatnot, what is the, the, the government provides the basic research and basic funding to get industries up and running. And so it seems like what needs to be done here is, I don't know if it's on a federal level or by individual states, because I know we've had discussions where different states are doing something to help the hemp industry. Pennsylvania, for instance, I believe $20 million they put into the hemp industry. In Michigan, it's nada. I mean, it's like they don't, it doesn't even register on the radar. So it kind of, it's a wonderful thing. Everybody loves it, but nobody wants to put money into it to get it started. So we have the chicken and the egg situation. How do we solve that? You know, you do. I mean, I have to honestly tell you that I just looked at the $35 million that um, they gave out for climate to hemp, to hemp people. I mean, like, to, for you know, for crop rotation and all kinds of things. I'm going to be honest with you. Crop rotation studies have been done in Italy year for years and years and years and years and years. What has to happen if the if you really want to create an infrastructure is either the the government steps up and says, okay, um, because this is how it is. You're a farmer, right? So you make all this hemp, okay? What are you going to do with it? Okay, it's great that you grow it. It's great that you do these things. And it's uh, so you still got to have, it's like any other farmer. You got to have a customer at the end yes. of when you do it. You know, I, I, we're in Michigan and I, we've talked many times about how the auto industry is starting to get heavy into hemp particularly Ford. Yes. Um, so, I mean, but because uh, I know one of Ford's major suppliers was looking for 6,000 acres of hemp because Ford wanted to use it to, to put into fabrics inside the vehicle or components outside the vehicle. Yes. I, don't, I haven't checked back on that to where that stands right now. But I know they approached me about it, so I know. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's again, when we get back to it's really, I can feel these everybody's blains and yours and Dave's frustration because everybody agrees this is a great idea, but nobody wants to put any money into it. You know, so it's like, okay, then what? You know, in the USDA, like you say, they should be the ones that would be stepping up. I mean, they really right? should be. I mean, let's face it. I just, okay. They gave out $35 million, right, to universities, which I think is very, very nice. I'm so glad they did. But they could have taken some, they could take some of that money that they have left and actually say, oh, let's figure out what these farmers who we are encouraging to grow hemp, what are they going to do with it? I mean, like I wrote an, I, I wrote a um, paper for AURI. I, they're out in Minnesota about how to go to market. And I explained that you, that there is no way that the hemp industry can go to market in all the areas that it could without the infrastructure to support the various processes to attain the product. So you can make herd, okay? That comes out of the machine. Um, hopefully it's very clean. You can then package it if you get a you know, packaging machine and um, you can make animal bedding. Um, and then you can also pelletize it, make it into, um, I guess like cat litter and plastics that's that side but if they want to revitalize the textile industry which is really important in the united states we were a big textile place for years and years and years oh. and hemp they think that hemp is going to be that thing well then maybe elon musk should step up 
and say, oh, I have billions of dollars. I'm going to give you $11 million and you're going to start to make hemp fab, hemp textiles. Or, or Jeff Bezos or, Jeff Bezos, or any of those other God gazillion billionaires. You know, they've got Bezos all these billions. Right. Yeah. I mean, so. it's like I said, you can talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk. Right. And if you don't want to, then stop talking. I am forced to get my hemp fiber from Europe. Okay, that's crazy. And then uh, people shipping it to China to have a process only to pay for shipping to come back. What's up with that? You know, so uh, that's what they do. I I was at a seminar and a gentleman got up and that is what he said he did with it. And I looked at him and I said, are you nuts? He didn't have any options, right? Yeah, I, he said, he said, I don't what else am I supposed to do with it? I said, I don't know. But as I said, I mean, I have, I have a whole proposal from NSC for how to do this, mm-hmm. how much it would cost, what equipment they need. And, you know, and I told Amare, I said, listen, if I knew somebody that I could get to do this, believe me, I would hand this to them and I would be their customer. But they can't at this point, they don't have even if somebody is doing it slowly. They don't have enough fiber for me. Yeah, I well, you may not be aware, but the guy that owns the most farmland in the United States is Bill Gates. That's where he's invested his money, and it seems like that. And he's got the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> Duh! I mean, that you put those two together, it would benefit him as well. You know, so Susan, you've, been, you've been working with Melissa and others in that. Where is that all possible? I mean, they got to be working on that or trying to. Well, I, think, I, I don't think that they, I, I'm not sure what they do with their best fiber. I mean, because they cannot turn it into sliver. Um, I need sliver. Like I said, I'm not sure about the cotton industry. I don't know that much about it because I really have always embraced the wool hemp thing because I like the natural abilities of the two products. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm guessing they all sell a lot of herd. And I don't know what they do with the bass, but the bass is a smaller percentage of what comes off, but it sells for more. So kind of in a way, you get a lot of herd and you get less bass, but in some ways it kind of could equal itself out because one sells for more than the other. And as you have more, like you said, if you, if you have lots and lots and lots of herd, the cost, the selling price for that is going to go down. Mm-hmm. But if you have bass fiber that you actually can figure out how to process it into what is needed to make hemp textiles, then the value of that is going to go up tremendously. But as you all said, Bill and Melinda Gates could put the money out there. Elon Musk could put the money out there. Just think what a billion dollars would do alone. And for them, it's like he's worth, I don't know, what, 120, 50 billion, something crazy number, you know, so. Yeah, and here we are all struggling, just praying that somebody gives us two hundred thousand dollars, you know. Right. But um, that's you know, that's the way it is. I am, you know, I'm going to keep moving it forward. Um, I'll probably sell. Um, actually, I'm going to send Snoop Dogg a beanie. <laughs> Snoop Dogg loves him, so I'm going to send yeah. him a beanie. Mm-hmm. And he has lots of money. He might call me. Um, I'll probably, you know, I'll send some other people beanies. Um, my one son lives in, in um, down in Cocoa Beach, and apparently Elon Musk comes into a bar where he goes sometimes. I don't. Oh, I said, well, take a beanie and hand it to him. But, yeah, those big foundations typically invest in nonprofits. However, there is an interim between the nonprofit and for profit. Uh, that I know it's available in Michigan. I don't know if it's available nationwide. That might be one possibility if you restructured your company and put it into yeah, that. Yeah. And then you'd be able to attract foundation money. So, yeah. So, I mean, I've thought about that um, B Corp money, you know, becoming a B Corp. Right. Um, and so I would have to investigate that. Yeah. No, but no. it is a very good idea, Mike. I don't disagree. Um, I think that that's probably the only way I could accomplish this, but we'll see. I'm going to do a WeFunder. Um, because it seems like people do really well with them. Refunder. Um, yeah, it's we fund where they uh, invest money. Uh, it's a kind of a, it's like investing in the stock market, but it's not. But it's perfectly legal, you know. Yes. I want to raise a hundred thousand dollars for this cause, and usually what happens is like with national public radio or na- or public TV, 
well, if you invest $120, we'll give you this premium kind of thing. And that's usually how it works. So, so like well, a GoFundMe Yeah, it's like GoFundMe. So, yeah, it's like a Kickstarter. Right. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's a bunch of them out there, but they're all pretty much the same. So. Yeah, they're all the same. I'm going to try it just so I can see. But um, I'm just going to keep, excuse me, going on and on and on and see what happens. I mean, you know, if I can get big orders, I can utilize factoring. Do you know yeah. what factoring is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get those invoices, turn them into cash, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. So I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm okay with um, maybe seeing if I can get big orders because then I can take the money. I can, you know, I can use factoring, and then I can take that money, turn it into product, pay the bank back, and still have, uh, you know, and have revenue. No, and I can connect you to a broker that does hemp factoring. So we'll talk to you. That would be great. I would like to be, so. I'd love to talk to him because, yep. you know, I, I, I've done factoring before. We used to run, um, we used to run a huge promotion agency. We had 5,000 employees. Wow. And sometimes, um, you know, people wouldn't pay us on time. So we would have the invoice and um, we would then, I would then, I had a factor who would then mm -hmm. loan me against the invoice, which, and I didn't, I only held it for a few days so that, you know, I didn't accrue a lot of interest or anything, yeah. but it is one way to do it. Well, if you work with the auto industry, I'm a former auto writer at the Detroit free press and with GM, they, you, you, you invoice them and they don't pay it for 180 days. Well, that's like, Walmart. So like, how am I supposed to pay my bills? And one way to do it is factoring. So. Yeah. Well, like Walmart takes forever. And yeah. then they take off invoice deductions that are just lovely because right. you have to figure them out. Susan, I'm going to pass your information along to one of our members, um, Rod Gupta. Uh, he has a CBD store in Fremont. He's He just started carrying a line of hemp clothing. And I noticed he doesn't have any socks and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to send him your information. And maybe the maybe he'll be able to carry some of your stuff you. here. Yeah. Good old Rod. I knew him in another life too. So, uh... <laughs> Well, ours is all made in the USA. Well, Most that's what we want. It's not right? made there, but everything we do is made mm -hmm. in the USA. We are a USA woman-owned company, and those things to me are very important. And, you know, hey, guys, I don't know. There's so much that we can do with hemp. Um, and I, I hate to say this is a terrible thing to say, I think. I just feel like CBD kind of skewed what we can really do with industrial happy yeah, it, it, you know, we're, we work so hard in my, my partner in another business says dave you need to be more positive you're you're, you're negative you're you're, you're a realist I, I do spend a lot of time talking people out of this business because it, it's so damn hard but uh but in that and we work so hard to explain that hey you know we can build a house out of this stuff yes we, we can do hats we you know we, we can feed animals we can feed people you know but there's a lot of good but and, it, and it's not intoxicating and then oh hey you know we we can make this intoxicant with the industrial hemp by the way called delta eight you know and and, and, they're, and they're promoting these products that are intoxicants and we've spent all this time and energy saying it's not an intoxicant you know and well, that's it's one just thing confusing. that's really lacking. It's super confusing for people. I have to say this. The one thing that's truly lacking is education in this industry. I mean, I worked on Smokey the Bear, so I can tell you that education is the number one thing that has to happen. Mm -hmm. um, well, even on my side of the point three, uh, same thing, you know, just... People don't get it. They don't understand it. Uh, all that 80 years of the war on drugs and all that jazz and, uh, you know, just they just don't get it. So, well, we have to educate them. I mean, let's yeah. face it. Um, I've been involved in many um, public service campaigns. And I can tell you that um, if you allocate your money correctly, like, um, I, I, I keep forgetting what it was called, but I used to work with avocados from Mexico <laughs> when the cartel was around. But anyway, um, you know, for every pound of avocados they sell, the USDA takes a percentage of that and they have to use those dollars or those cents for promotional activities. Um, I know the pork board did it and the chicken board did it, chicken, you know, chicken growers, everybody, a lot of and I think that the hemp industry tried to do something like that, 
but they couldn't get it to happen. Well, you know, we're we're in a situation where you know you can't get banked. You know, even you know if you have hemp in your business name, even making hats, they're going to want to know how much THC is in that hat. You know, at least they wanted to know with my frisbee, a plastic frisbee. Did they? So, oh yeah, we you can't get bank account. I mean, we there's so many regulation things that we need to solve before we can really launch. You know. Yeah, there's too much risk in it right now. So. Well, I'm really blessed because see, I my products are 60 percent wool, mm-hmm. and so I, you know, I'm well, blessed. Frisbee 75 percent virgin polypropylene. You should be able to get a bank account. I have yeah. manufacturing. Yeah, no, they uh, so they want me to run under a CBD program, and uh, yeah, they need well, to they more money. Yeah, then they want a bunch more money. So. Oh yeah, it's like a minimum of about two fifty a month if you work with a cannabis slash hemp bank, you know. So yeah, see, I don't do that. You know, like um, I'm very blessed in that way. Um, um, so I think that you know I'm lucky. And yeah. well, you're um, making it happen. We really appreciate you. That's great. I am trying really hard, and you know, I think I'm the only company out there who's real. Like we went to a, um, a hemp show recently, Brian, my husband and I went to Raleigh to a hemp show. And um, my husband came up and he said to me, do you know all the clothes here are from China? I said, yes, I know. So we have to get away from that. We have mm-hmm. to be able to say, first of all, we have to begin, begin to support products made in the USA. And if we don't do that, we might as well. And we have to be able to support the industry that we are in. And somebody has to step up and say, okay, I'm going to really help you. And I don't Bingo. necessarily want to. You know, so. That's what I'm well, saying. It might be a project that Bill, since he's a big farmer, might be a project that the Gates Foundation might want to get involved in. So should I have my little granddaughter who lives in Seattle go to his waterfront home and bang on the door? I don't think he's there all that much, but who knows? Uh, Probably going to bang on the gate. Probably not going to bang. Yeah, I think the security around the world, fourth richest man's got to be pretty tight, yeah. right? You know, so, you know, that's a big deal if you're in Seattle and you cross one of you cross one of those bridges. Everybody yeah, says, well, I lived in Seattle for seven years. I, I, he has a like a back then it was a three hundred million dollar house. I can only imagine what it's like now. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, yeah, you know, so. I can. But that's just kind of, you know, I just keep plugging along. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you, I get very discouraged. I really and truly do. There are moments when I cry about this business. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got to keep lifting each other up. That's for sure. Yep. My Susan, husband we... says we're going to retire one day. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to sleep on beanies. Yeah. I do. Right. You do what, right? <laughs> that would be so hard. Yeah. Soft. Live on that social security check. Yeah, that'll get you far. Oh, yeah. Susan, we want to. We want to thank you very much for taking time out of your day today and and helping, you know, helping fill us in on what's going on in your world and how that's all working. And again, if people want to get your product, we go to uh, www.shempyarn.com. Yep. And I really appreciate it. And um, I do hope all of you will buy a beanie. Sure. Or a pair of socks. Blaine will want a, a green and white one. I, I'm yeah, sorry, little, Blaine, but they're natural know. hemp colored with a color underneath them. And right now it's purple or black. That's a toughie. Yeah. Well, so. Susan, I want you to I want you to hang on. You know, we're gonna do some news here and some other stuff, but I want you to hang on after we get all go off live. I want to talk to you a little bit about your website a little bit. Okay, right. thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Right. Go thank buy you, some socks and beanies. It's so cold up here, so we still need those beanies, that's for sure. So. That's the truth. And I live in Florida, and I'm still wearing one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, down, down there, you can always tell the northerners because it's like, you know, 60 degrees. You guys are wearing coats. We're wearing T-shirts and underwear, you know. Oh, listen, so. it's 60 degrees, and I'm wandering around in a T-shirt. You should see my neighbors looking at me. They're like, are you nuts? I'm like, God almighty, it is hot. <laughs> yeah. You got some news you want to share with us? Well, I'll st- take one right out of the gate that you're going to find interesting. This release this morning, Twitter to allow ads for cannabis THC products in the United States. Not just THC products, but also CBD products, accessories, services, etc. will be now allowed to be- go on the Twitter platform. Uh, the, uh, the full details are at... Uh, 
420post.com. You can read all about it and find out what you need to do. But now you can put your CBD products, I assume your products too, Susan, on Twitter, and they won't get jerked off the platform. Um, the other awesome. thing that uh, came out yesterday was uh, the January sales for cannabis in the state of Michigan. And uh, down a little bit from December, because the holidays, a lot of people were buying. But it, it's, but even with that, in January of this year, we sold $207.3 million worth of adult legal cannabis and medical cannabis. Uh, and that was up 37% from a year ago. So uh, as we all know, the prices are crashing in the state because of oversupply. So consumers love it. But at the same time, the the sales continue to rise. More and more people are buying it. Uh, and uh, I don't have a breakout for CBD products, but I guess they would fall under the medical marijuana area. Um, but uh, good news there. We continue to grow. I mean, and the, the, the 2022 total I just finally saw was, I believe, 230 billion, excuse me, $2.3 billion dollars for all of 2022. So we're still the second ranked sales wow. state in the country uh, behind California, which has four times the population. So uh, lots of folks are smoking it or eating it or whatever here, you know, so go Michigan. So, um, uh, and then uh, uh, for those folks that want to grow it either indoors or outdoors, we just had uh, Jerry Dababney on the show from Homegrown Pros. And he sells a line of equipment that allows that has everything. I mean, you can. It has uh, the, the 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 filters, so your whole house doesn't smell like the skunk. You know, he's got the lighting, he's got the nutrients, he's got it all. Sells them in kits, um, and then for the outdoor growers, because in Michigan, as you know, we can grow up to twelve plants outdoors. He's got stuff for that too. So if you want to, and he's got a special on right now uh, for our audience because we had him on my. Uh, streaming radio show yesterday, 420 Post. And so if you check that out at 420post.com, uh, then you'll find out the details if you want to grow it either indoor, outdoor, whatever you want to do. Uh, home Grow Pros can fix you up. So there you go. Awesome. All right. <laughs> well, thanks, Mike. So a little bit of news. Uh, so I have Michigan is going to be helping uh, sponsor um, the classes we're going to do this uh, this spring here are going to be on uh, building with industrial hemp building material. Uh, our very first one is going to be located here in Grand Haven. It's going to be March the 18th at the Grand River Sailing Club. It's going to start about 9 o'clock. We're going to have a little networking from 8 to 9. Um, and we're going to have a great lineup of uh, informed speakers and people that work with the products. And um, so we're looking forward to doing that. We'll have more information out. We'll probably send an email out with how you can sign up and register for it. Um, we'll have a little lunch involved. It's going to run from about, uh, again, 9 to 3. Uh, and that's going to be on Saturday, March 18th. That'll be our first one. The next one we're going to hold is going to be on Saturday, uh, uh, March the 25th. And we're planning that hopefully somewhere near the Ann Arbor area, Mike. So you can come join us that day. So... Um, so those are that's what's going on there. Uh, I just saw a little little blur from uh, from Kim Crow with Report, and uh, so she's going to send me a little more information. But she's going to have a workshop. Uh, she's talking about how to do something with bathrooms. I'm assuming insulin or whatever. But so she's going to send me some more information. That's going to happen this spring. So she'll have a class going on if, if people can attend there to get a little hands-on experience. We'll also have some uh, this summer. We will definitely have some. Uh, field days, uh, actually going to some projects that are being built and using the material as well. Stay tuned kind of for that information. Um, NOCO is coming up in uh, March. We're going to hope to have uh, Morris on the show here real short, shortly and talk about that. Uh, probably one of the largest expos uh, on and with him. And uh, that will be in Colorado at the Broadmoor Hotel. And that's in March. A lot of part of March is when that is. So. Uh, what else we got in the good news? Um, U.S. Hemp Authority uh, announces a new partnership, and they're going to have a webinar. So U.S. Hemp Authority is the, is the orange seal that people may see on some of the products and allows uh, consumers to know that the company that manufactured or selling that product, uh, the CBD products, uh, have gone through some rigorous 
uh, steps to make sure that they're putting out a good, safe product. So U.S. Hemp Authority has now partnered with um, uh, Perry Johnson. Uh, actually, Perry Johnson is out of Michigan here. You know, they're located in the Troy area. I've used them numerous times for audits that I've had to do with food safety stuff. They're a great company to work with. And um, they're going to have a webinar on March the 1st, uh, if you want to learn a little bit about that. And uh, Brett is going to, uh, Brett McMillan, uh, is going to be on the, the webinar talking about um, what they do, how to get that. If anybody has any questions, they can contact me through Down on the Farm, and I can help them with that. Uh, I am busy, uh, actually, right now, writing a few plans for people to, uh, to get through their audits that they have to do to make sure they're putting out a safe product. Um, kind of a food food safety kind of thing. I've got one little news uh, snippet here, Blaine. If All right, absolutely. Um, so, the on our homepage we have uh, an article about the EPA is seeking input. So there's they have a couple of dates set up: March second and March twenty uh, second and April nineteenth. Where they're, they're talking about ways to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in buildings, which you know that dovetails right into um, you know building with hemp, you know, and and this is a project I've been working on is a little craft project to demonstrate and do some education. As Su Susan pointed out, we need this education how you can use hempcrete. So um, that's a pretty good looking brick, Dave. What's it? It's ultimately, in, in this is 1.0. I'm going to have it's going to be a little birdhouse. <laughs> my plan because you, you can actually build a house. This isn't the final version. I've got a 1.0. Look for 2.0. <laughs> You're doing your research projects. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, we'll look forward to having those, and that's for sure. Um, U.S. Hemp Roundtable put out a little some information here. The red alerts in two states concerning trends in others. Uh, Virginia's has some bills where, uh, if you're in the Virginia, you need to be, pay attention to this. Um, they were criminalized hemp extract products that contains more than two milligrams of THC per package. Um, there's some stuff going on in Washington. There's also some stuff going on in Tennessee. Um, so if you're a grower or a processor of uh, CBD products in those states, you might want to uh, do a little research. And you can go to the um, U.S. Hemp Roundtable website, and they'll have them listed on there. Again, it says red alert in two states concerning trends and others would be probably the topic you find there. So uh, they're still doing a great job um, getting the word out and being able to get um, CBD on a regulated path so that we can get it out into the markets and, and, and other players can feel comfortable knowing that it's going to be something they can invest in that's another problem we have as well yeah we gotta get congress and usda congress to get some passing because fda doesn't they want to punt it so that's what's going on there anything else that we also mentioned before we get into no, the main part of the time do you have a recipe i got a recipe yes i do it <laughs> is a cold day still up here in michigan we still got you know but really Folks, we've only got about uh, 40 some days left before baseball starts. So, you know, things got to yeah. start improving. I don't know if you've been an opening day in Detroit, but uh, it can be it, a really cold it, experience. You know, so. It can be cold, that's for oh, sure. Oh, boy. You know, so. so, this is a cauliflower hemp soup. Uh, the taste of cloves with cauliflower is so yummy. Uh, this serves about six to eight bowls of it, and it's ready in about an hour. And um, here we go. Thank you, Jim. So the ingredients are uh, one tablespoon of hemp seed oil, uh, two cloves of fresh garlic, one onion diced, a head of cauliflower diced, a carton of vegetable broth, broth one teaspoon of salt, a half a cup of hemp hearts, grated Parmesan optional, two tablespoons of parsley chopped uh, is also optional, but I think you need that for the color to make it look nice. If you don't know where to find the oil or the hemp hearts, Go to downonthefarm.biz and we can supply you with that for sure. Um, and it gives you the recipes there, how to do it. It's pretty simple to do. And I think it'd be a yummy, yummy treat on these cold days yet because we've got a few more left. You know, there's a yin and yang in life. And so winter's still here for a while. So you got to get through March for sure. So that's what I have for today, guys. 
Okay, very good. Well, thanks again, Susan. Appreciate you. Thank you very much for having me on. Okay, and stay on, Susan, when we close the show today. Stay on for a little bit. I will. Thank you. Right. Uh, look forward to the next shows we're going to have. Like I said, we're going to try to get Morris Beagle. Uh, we've talked a little bit about NOCO and get his aspect. He has a he has quite a quite a high view of uh, what's going on in the hemp world. So we'll look forward to having him on the show. So, all right. All right. Peace and love. Okay, everybody. All right. Keep Have warm. Keep him in.